welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor John Bandman. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Having a good, good holiday weekend? End of, end of summer, we're in the last few days of summers, and yet we're still going to hit like a hundred and kabillion degrees today, I think. I think that's the forecast. We did get a little hint of, of fall, I thought, this week. It got a little cooler and like a little bit, a little moisture, and, and the, the light, you can tell the light's starting to change a little bit, and like I'm all, if you, if you haven't noticed, I'm all about it. I love fall. Fall's my favorite time of year, and and. You know, speaking of Hallmark movies, I'll, I'll even watch a Hallmark movie during the fall time. Because it's like, you know, the gal, the young mom in Vermont who's, you know, widowed and has two kids and is struggling to make ends meet. And, and then there's the guy who's home from the wars and he's struggling with PST and they find redemption and salvation in each other's arms. I mean, who doesn't like, who doesn't like to watch that in the fall time? So, or is it just me? Y'all looking at me like, really, Pastor John? Hallmark? Yeah, I know. But it's fall. But, you know, life isn't always a Hallmark story, as many of us know very, very well. And we're going to look at a passage this morning that really, I truly, I think it's really the most tragic passage in all of Scripture. It really is. I mean, even comparing it to the crucifixion of Christ, it's like, well, the crucifixion of Christ is a redemptive story, right? He did it for a purpose to redeem us and ransom us from our sin. This story is just tragic, just straight up tragic. And it, it involves a particular man who dabbles in the spiritual, is kind of intrigued by the spiritual people in his life and approaches the gates of heaven, but he stops there and he remains in the hell of disobedience, the hell of unbelief. And it's just, and, it has consequences for him, but it has huge consequences for the people around him, and it's just horrible and tragic. So on that chipper note, let's dive in, shall we? Uh, we're in Mark chapter 6, um, starting in verse 14, and I'll read just the first paragraph uh, as soon as I get there. All right, Mark chapter 6, verse 14, King Herod, King Herod, Heard of it. Heard of what? King, what's happening here is, if you remember from last week, Pastor Robert taught on how Jesus had sent out his disciples to preach the gospel. And they'd gone out and, and had healed a lot of people, cast out a bunch of demons. And they come back to Jesus and they're just pumped and they're stoked. And it's just an exciting time in the ministry of Christ. They've just had this amazing success. And by the way, it just occurs to me just at this moment, isn't it interesting how you have those moments of ministry when things are just like awesome and going great, and then tragedy finds a way to, to interpose itself and to and a strike in the midst of that, and it almost sort of doubles the, the, inten the intensity of it. But this is where we're headed. So verse, verse 14, King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miracles, miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he is Elijah. 
And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. Interesting, right? John is convinced that this guy, Jesus, who's, who has all this power and is doing all these miraculous, must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. Why does he think that so strongly? Maybe he feels guilty about having him killed, right? So he's convinced that this is John the Baptist. And then Mark gives us kind of the background. He says, for it was Herod, Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. So here's what's going on here. Herod is a ruler. He's a, he's a tetrarch, te tetrarch, which means he's a ruler of a quarter of the territory that he inherited from his father, Herod the Great, okay? And so he's ruling the section of Galilee, west of, of the Sea of Galilee. So there's a section there. Remember just a few chapters back, Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee and there's the man of the tombs who was filled with a legion of demon, uh, demons and Jesus set him free. Well, this is the territory that Herod rules over, okay? Uh, and Herod falls in love with the wife of his brother, right? This gets really awful. Falls in love with the wife of his brother. So they each divorce their spouse and marry each other. And of course, John, John the Baptist, stands up and says, hey, that's, that's not lawful for you to do. Because Herod is supposedly a Jewish ruler, Right? And that's not lawful for him to be divorcing his wife and marrying his brother's wife. So John stands up to that. And John being the politician, or Herod being the politician that he is, puts John in prison to shut him up, right? Because John's got a movement. People are following John. People are coming out to see John. And, and John is speaking out against Herod. And that's very dangerous for Herod in terms of his political standing. So he just throws him in prison. And of course, his wife is not happy about it either because it's a shame on her. So it's like she just wants to get rid of him. And, and eventually there's an opportunity for that to happen. We'll get into that. But I want to point out a few things about the way Herod is interacting with John the Baptist. It's very interesting. Notice, starting in verse 18, for John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herod and and Herodias, that's Herod's wife, had a grudge against him and went to put, wanted to put him to death, but she could not. Why? Because Herod feared John. Herod had a fear, a respect, in some way, some this distorted way, some sort of respect and honor and fear of John the Baptist. And you think about that. Why, why would Herod feel that way about John the Baptist? I think one clue we can find in Matthew 11 uh, you don't have to go there. I'll just read it real quick. Matthew 11, 7. Uh, when John, when this happens in, in this section, John the Baptist is already in prison and he sends some of his, of his disciples to Jesus to say, hey, you know, are you the one? And Jesus gives them an answer and then John's disciples go away. And then 
Jesus talks about John the Baptist. And this is what Jesus says about John the Baptist. He says, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those, were, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before, before you. So Jesus is saying, John the Baptist is, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's a man's man. He's solid. He's strong. You know, he's not easily shaken. He's not easily bent. And what's interesting about the way that Jesus is describing John the Baptist right now is Herod rules over a, a territory that's on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, right? Well, what's all along the edge of the Sea of Galilee is reeds. They're kind of known for their reeds, a very reedy shore. In fact, Herod has a coin minted for his territory. And on this coin, he doesn't put his image because he's trying to be a good Jew. Instead, he puts a reed on the coin, right? And Herod is a king, and he wears soft clothes, and he, and he resides in a king's palace. So what's Jesus saying here? He's saying John the Baptist is not Herod. Herod blows. He's a politician. He blows with the wind. He's a reed easily shaken. John the Baptist, no. John the Baptist stands up for what's true. He speaks truth to power fearlessly. That's who John the Baptist is. In fact, Jesus said John the Baptist is the greatest man ever born of women, which is probably the highest compliment, right, to have the Messiah say that about you. So why does, John, why does Herod fear, respect, honor John the Baptist? Probably because John the Baptist is everything that Herod is not, right? John the Baptist is a man of integrity, a man that says consistent. Who, who, who says what he believes and believes what he says and does what he believes, does what he obeys God in word and deed. In fact, I, I, I kind of laugh at this. I, I don't know, this story is kind of funny to me, but when the religious elite came out to, to be baptized by John, John calls them out and he basically says, you know, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the coming destruction? Real seeker-sensitive message, right, from John the Baptist. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming destruction? He says, you know what, produce fruit. You know, produce works that are worthy of repentance. Stop giving us lip service and just kind of talking about it and approaching the gates of heaven. Actually press in, go through, produce fruit, do works that really demonstrate true repentance, right? That's where John the Baptist is coming from. Herod is coming from a very completely different place. He's kind of, he, he, and, and that's what's so interesting about this section, going back to Mark. On one hand, he's put John the Baptist in prison because he doesn't like what John is saying about him. But on the other hand, he keeps John close and it says that he, he feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. Herod's not, by implication. And he kept him safe, right? He's protecting John. He's keeping John safe. He's keeping John close, and he's keeping him safe. And then it says, and when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed. 
and yet he heard him gladly. So Herod loves to listen to John. He wants to keep John safe. He totally respects John, but he's perplexed by what John says. And he's completely unrepentant by John's message, right? And so the, 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 the title of the sermon, you know, he remains in the, in the hell of disobedience and indifference while at the same time just sitting at the very gates of heaven, sitting in, in front of John the Baptist, and yet refusing to, to take that, that final leap, to press in, to, to enter into heaven, to repent, right? So Herod kept John safe. Herod gladly listened to him. He feared and respected John, but just held back. And, and you know, it's easy to say, well, and, and, and our culture is very much, you know, well, you know, you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe. Let's just be friends, right? And, and it's like what you believe is okay, what I believe is okay. It all, it all comes out in the wash anyway, right? There's this sort of kind of passivity uh, in our culture. But it is, there's certain things in life that are absolutely critical, that are life and death, that mean blessing and honor and grace and purpose for people or disaster, catastrophe, and death for people. There's critical choices. And sometimes we can just sort of anesthetize ourselves, can't say that word, but it's as close as I can get, uh, to that hard line choice. And being indifferent to that hard line choice is no escape. It doesn't solve it. It doesn't protect us. What protects us is making a decision determining as, as scripture says, you know, as for uh, Joshua, I believe said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? Making that definitive decision, deciding to go all in. Jesus went all in for us, did he not? Are we all in with him? Or are we just kind of dabbling? Do we like to kind of hang out with, you know, good people? Or are we all in with Jesus? Let's continue on in verse 21. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herod's daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. How horrible is that? Out of a drunken feast and a bunch of boasting, John the Baptist is murdered, beheaded, right? Because this king 
liked to hang out with them, but wasn't willing to, to give his life over, wasn't willing to give up his own will, his own self-idolatry. He wasn't willing to surrender that. And because of that, he gets put in a position and not innocently has, his, has John the Baptist murdered and killed. It's just horrible. In um, Matthew 14, there's a, we get a little, a very small little glimpse of Jesus finding out about this and, and Jesus' response to this. It says uh, in chapter 13, he says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from, from there in a boat to a desolate place for himself. It's, it's very rare that Jesus is, goes off by himself. There's a few times he tries to go off by himself. And even this time, he try, he's trying to go off by himself and he gets followed by the crowds. But Jesus has got to be just so broken, you know, and he just wants to get away and take some time for himself and, and be quiet and mourn and grieve the loss of his friend John. I mean, think about this. John the Baptist, Jesus and John the Baptist knew each other from the womb, literally from the womb. When Mary entered the house with Elizabeth and Elizabeth was carrying John in her womb, John leaped for joy when he heard, when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, right? Because in the spirit, John the Baptist in the womb recognized that the Messiah had entered the room, right? That's a pretty deep connection, is it not? I would say that's even, I wouldn't want to speak for twins, Richard, but, but that's, that's, probably, that's probably right in there, right? With that kind of level of connection. And now Jesus finds out John's been murdered by this guy. He's camped out at, in front of the gates of heaven, but just refuses to enter in. He's just got to be absolutely grieved. And just as a, as a little aside here, you know, horrible, awful things happen in this life. We all know that. And as a culture, we have a tendency not to grieve very well. We're not comfortable with taking the time to grieve and we tend to want to kind of just get over it. And I want to encourage you, if you've had hard events in your life and, and tough challenges and, and tragedy hit and strike, sometimes out of the blue, that you should give yourself lots of grace and give yourself time to grieve that. And, you know, Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and he takes time and gets away, and he needs, he needs to grieve the loss of his very, very dear, close, you know, brother and in in faith. Um, so I, I want to look at, you know, kind of this comparison, this contrast between John the Baptist and Herod and, and look at this, the way that Herod is, is stuck and, and, and the fact that Herod being stuck at the very gates of heaven causes so much tragedy. Notice that Herod gladly listened to John, but he was perplexed by what he said, right? Do you find times when you're happy to listen to a podcast, happy to hear the word of, of scripture, and yet are perplexed in terms of, okay, what does this mean for me? What, what do I do with this? I'm struggling with, there's something here. I think I feel some conviction of something, but maybe there's a part of me that just doesn't want to quite deal with it, and it's perplexing, right? Have you all struggled with that at one time or another? I think we all have. Herod feared and respected John, but he feared and respected society, culture, his own wife more, 
right? Do we struggle with the fear of man? And what's that struggle? The fear of man is a snare. Do, do we struggle with that at times? I think we all have struggled with that at times. Herod kept John safe until it was not safe to keep him, right? And sometimes we, we hold our Christianity near and dear and it feels safe to us, but then we get in a situation that suddenly feels very unsafe and we just kind of clam up and shut down and don't want to go there. I think we've all had that moment, right? We've all had that experience. But here's the question, and, and really it's kind of three categories. I'm going to kind of break this into three categories of how we deal with our own propensity sometimes to remain in the flesh, even at the very gates of heaven, to remain in the, in the really the hell of disobedience. And we know, God, I know I'm blown at Lord. I know I'm just, I'm resisting you in this area of my life. And I really, in the Christian faith and Christian walk, that's the most miserable place to be, is it not? To be, to, to love the Lord, to be invested in him, and yet be struggling, you know, and, and struggling not well. It's, it's, just a, it's just a hellish place to be. So kind of three categories I want to look at in terms of how we can kind of get stuck in this place. One is believers, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are struggling well in the Lord, okay? That's category one. Category two is brothers, sisters, believers who are not struggling well in the Lord, and then those who have just straight up have not entered into the Lord, who are, who are sit at, this, at the gates of heaven yet refuse to enter in. So category one, which I hope most of us are in this place this morning, and if you're not, this morning is the opportunity to repent and get out of this hellish place. But category one is, as I said, we will all struggle with these things at times. But when we recognize and realize that, you know what, I think God's trying to say something to me and I'm not getting it, I'm perplexed by it, but I, I, I think it's important, I need to get this, I need to be able to practice this, I need to be able to walk this out. You know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get with an elder, I'm gonna get with my buddy, I'm gonna get with my, my Bible study leader and I'm gonna hash this through and figure out what the hitch is in me that's got me stuck in this area, right? That's struggling well, okay? Struggling unwell is to just leave it sit there. You know God's tapping on your shoulder. You know God's been talking to you about an area, but you know you just don't want to deal with it. It's too complicated. It's too scary. It's too risky. What will people think? What will my wife think? My husband think? I don't, let's just, John, pastor, just don't even go there. Right? Don't, don't bring that up, man. It's just, it's just let sleeping dogs lie, right? That is struggling very poorly because what sleeping dogs never lie. Instead, they jump up and they bite you. And they can bite you to the point where you can be the author of one of the most tragic stories in the Bible. Right? Herod just, he just wanted John hang out around. He wanted to hang around John but he didn't want to change his life. He didn't want to submit himself to the preaching of John. No way. What, give up this gal that he, that he wants to have, even though it's, it's unlawful. Give up his power and position and, and the admiration of his commanders and friends that he likes to party with. I'm not giving that up. I think that's an example of someone who's just not entered in, 
straight up, right? He likes to listen to John, but he's perplexed and he's just not gonna enter into the gates of heaven. He's gonna just stay in the hell of disobedience. Someone who uh, fears and respects John, but, but, the, but he feared society more. I mean, that is, that is a hard one, is it not? Have we, are you struggling well with the fear of man? Are you struggling unwell? Are, are you, have you let your fear of man rule the day? Or are you willing when you notice, oh man, I've, I just, I've just compromised myself because I didn't want to upset that person or I didn't want to lose that person's respect. Are you willing to repent from that and say, hey, and even circle back and say, hey, by the way, when I said that, you know, that's not who I am. And, and I need to be honest with you, I, I disagree. I don't think that's right. You know, I need to call that out. I need to call it as it is. Call a spade a spade. That's struggling well. Struggling unwell is just to leave it. Just continue to go along with it. And just go along with the crowd and, and be blown about. Be that reed that's just blown about. You know? And it's not... Defaulting to that is not a safe place. It feels like it is. In the moment, it just seems more comfortable. It seems safer. But it is an incredibly dangerous place. It can lead to things that you would never dream of it leading into. Right? No one, I love the saying, no, no one wakes up one morning and just spontaneously decides that they're going to be a crack dealer. Right? There's a whole history of compromise that leads to that moment of going out on the street to sell crack. It's not a spontaneous overnight kind of thing. And these little compromises that we will tend to make, even in the face of heaven, even at the, right at the gates of heaven, can lead us to very hellish places. So struggle well. When you've compromised yourself, admit it. Confess it to the Lord. Admit it to, confess it to a brother. Go back to a person that you need to speak truth and love to and speak truth and love to them. That's struggling well. Amen. Herod kept John safe until he was not safe to keep him. Is your Christianity safe? Do you keep Jesus, uh, the way I, I wrote it down, is Jesus kept safely in your own personal hallmark religious comfort zone? It's a lot of adjectives. Or are you kept safe in the ferocious love of Jesus the Christ? You know, is your, is your faith in Christ, is your understanding of who Jesus is big enough for you to stand up to whatever you face in this life? Do you trust in his love and power enough to risk your friends not being happy with you, to risk giving up something that that is pleasurable in a season, but ultimately is going to destroy you? Is he big enough for that? Do you trust him enough to bring joy and peace and blessing and fullness to your life? Or do you think you're better at, at that than he is? And you'd rather trust yourself more than him. The consequences are dire. 
They're not casual, right? To just continue to put up with something that you know is not right. And the Holy Spirit is tapping on your shoulder and you keep hearing from the word of God that, you know what, this is not right. It's just not going to resolve itself on its own. It's not going to go away on its own. And it leaves you vulnerable. It leaves you in a place where you can get run over and other people around you can get hurt really deeply and really badly. We've got to deal with the realities of our life and, and enter in through the gates of heaven in faith and trust that the Lord can give us what we need to deal with these challenges. We need to struggle well. Doesn't, struggling well doesn't mean that we operate perfectly. It means that we're making progress in the ongoing process of being made perfect in Christ. Amen? So the consequences of Herod's indifference, disobedience, kind of dabbling in the spiritual, but not, not moving into it, are just, just horrible and terrible. And I would, I would desire for us, brothers and sisters, to, to not have to learn some of the hard lessons of life through just kind of keeping Jesus at arm's distance and resisting that thing that he keeps speaking to us about, that, you know what, this needs to change. You know what, this area of your life is, is wrong. You know what, you've made a compromise here that does not reflect the character of Christ. It's time to repent. You know, it's in one way, it's really simple. We just own it. We just speak the truth to it. We just say, yes, I agree, Lord, you're right. This is wrong. That's step A, right? Step one, just admit it, confess it. Step two, then, is to receive his forgiveness by faith. Understand that you are forgiven, that you are made righteous before him. And step three, then, is to walk in the fruit of that and, re and, and actually take action. And whatever is broken, you make right to whatever degree you're able to make it right, right? That's the fruit that represents true repentance as John challenged the, the leaders of, of, his, of, of the religious organization of his day. I think, that, I, think that's, I think that's it. I think that's the message for this morning. I think there are things, I feel like the Lord is saying, look, you know what, there are, th all, there are things that all of us are probably have compromised. There are things that all of us have left sort of just simmering on the stove. And Jesus is saying, look, it's time to stop playing around with it. It's time to deal with it. It's time to, time to make it right. It's time to confess it. It's time to get together with some brothers and sister, sisters that you love, that you respect, and say, hey, I need help in this area. I need to deal with this. This needs to... I need to press into this in the strength and power of Christ. And let's see what the Lord does. I, you know, there, that's where fruit, that's where we see fruit. That's where we see revival happening when we're willing to take those kinds of steps. Shall we do that? Let's pray. Lord, what a, what a horrible, awful, tragic thing that John would be beheaded and the, and the grief 
and the pain that you must have experienced in that moment. And yet, Lord, you have provided a way through the gate. Father, you are the gate. Jesus, you said you are the gate. Lord, if we are willing to confess these areas of our lives, God, that we have just sort of left unresolved, Father, as we've sort of dabbled in, in, in being near to you, but we haven't really given them over to you. God, I pray that this morning, I pray today, Father, that we, re we would repent as John the Baptist preached and that we would seek to walk in obedience to you, understanding your great love and passion for us. God, that you desire so much more for us. How tragic it must be for you, Jesus, to see us hesitating at the very gates, to be pausing in the hellish place of, of disobedience, Father, when we have access to your kingdom. Lord God, I pray, Father, that you would restore us, God. I pray that even as we take a step of obedience, not knowing how it'll turn out, God, and fearing what the ramifications are, but trusting you enough to just take that step of obedience and seeing the great joy and fruit that can come out of that, Lord, even though it may be painful in the short term, even though it may disrupt in the short term, it would save us so much pain, so much disruption in the long term. God, I pray, Father, that we would put our hope, our faith, our trust in you. In your son's name, amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.